It's episode four, just like a new hope. A song about a couple who just can't cope with all their money and power and fame. Jack and Diane both sound real lame, but Tim and Joel, those are guys you can trust. Even if Bubbly won't sponsor us, Muddy Waters and Polo Picks emails back from BPMs. It's time for a show to start now. It's episode four, Weird Pals. Welcome oh, to Weird Pals. Hi. hi, Joel. Oh, hi. Now you say my name. Oh, Tim? Yeah, well done. Who's there? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> do you want to do a Weird Al podcast? Uh, no. Okay, well, thanks for joining us. <laughs> we'll figure out how we do this at some point. Indeed, maybe. Maybe. Uh, we should We should persevere in that we've done three so far. And to end now would be... Uh, a mistake <laughs> if we learned anything from star wars stopping at three is a huge mistake yes you need to do six <laughs> <laughs> uh so we are in the fourth track of weird al's first album self-titled self-titled weird al yankovic Thank you. Uh, the <laughs> The song is Buckingham Blues. Joel, we need, we need to check in with the cover of the album. Yes, we do. So I think this might have more than any other song, unless I'm reading too much into it. So the obvious one, I suppose, is there's a double-decker bus. Like British thing over here. A bunch of British stuff. Uh, and then... I think that's them on the Time Magazine cover, but I don't know for sure. But it's like, a couple. She has blonde hair. It's short. I'm going with that's Princess Diana. Um, and then there's a saddle, like a horse saddle up at the top. And there is a line in the song about um, the uh, the dude, uh, Jack. No, that's from the original one. Prince Charles. Prince Charles, thank you. <laughs> confusing songs uh he wants to ride his little horsies all the time and that's horse stuff that's true I'm going with it nice um and that might be it that's three i don't think there's been three for another one yet yeah i think that's pretty good it is uh therefore the most important song on the album yes the absolute most important song but uh yeah so this was uh on side b of that um 45 of ricky as well Gotcha. Which, if everyone was taking notes, uh, these are the only two songs that were recorded after the CD was going to come out. The other songs were earlier. So, if you huh. were taking notes, you will know so, have known that. <laughs> yes, hopefully people have been taking notes. We're, we are co-professors on our Weird Al course, <laughs> Weird Al 101, and the midterm is coming up in that oh, no. track five is next week. Uh-oh. Actually, so, prepare your notes. six tracks. Or 12, I mean, but I can't tell them here without counting them, and I'm not going to count. <laughs> not over live chats. There's too much important <laughs> things to cover. I know. Uh, so <clears throat> my job, as always, is to figure out what's going on in the world of music before uh, Weird Al got his grubby little parody hands on it. Grubby. And I had a conundrum, which was, what do I cover on this song? Because there are two... Uh, competing things that are going on here, as you well know. There's the intentional yeah. cover that didn't happen. Yeah. And then there's the result of what we got. <laughs> so I'm going to cover the result half uh, in the attempt maybe we can uh, um, uh, do like a weird side bonus thing on the, on the what could have been uh, uh, so that we have an excuse to do something else at some point. Yeah. Uh, so I've got, um, I'm covering the blues, which is blues. a bit of an undertaking. <laughs> yes, there is a lot. <laughs> so let me tell you what I learned, Joel. Okay, so Buckingham Blues, uh, obviously a take on the blues, but um, based off of some of the instrumentation on the parody version, we can kind of hone in on what type of blues is being um, used for the style pastiche. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that is notable is that uh, this is the style of blues that has a harmonica in it. 
in the style of blues that has a slide guitar in it, um, as opposed to anything else that comes before then. So here's what I tried to figure out. Um, the harmonica, fun fact, uh, was is cousins with the accordion in okay. terms of the type of instrument it is and where and when it was invented. Along with this cousins, the accordion and the con- concerto, that little tiny uh-huh. concertina, sorry. Uh, the harmonica <clears throat> got its start around 1820 in the German-speaking parts of Europe. Uh, right off the bat, harmonicas were called mouth harps, which is fun. Uh, and no one really knows who invented it in particular. Uh, once it got to the United States, um, it became incorporated with the blues uh, during pre-war era. So during the 1920s, uh, several harmonica players made recordings um, that give a picture on what the blues style with the harmonica was like. Some of the things that uh, harmonica players added was like the bending of the notes, uh, doing the hand movements to well, kind the of hand cup thing. Yeah, the hand cup thing to get like the, that's probably like, what it's called. Like a cup mute <laughs> on like a trumpet. Yeah, that style. Um, uh, so those were uh, incorporated as the rural players of the South added that instrument to the blues music that was already there. And then um, there is a history of when they started using like those weird amplifier versions of the harmonica. So you would have like these weird old timey microphones that you just stick right on top of the instrument uh, to amplify it so that it matches this live band that one might be playing with. Um, That started in the 1940s. Uh, and then by the 50s, electric guitars and amplified harmonicas were the essential instruments for the Chicago blues, backed by bass, drums, and piano. So this is the kind of blues song that we're uh, that Weird Al is using um, as inspiration, which is Chicago blues of the 1950s. Let me give you a song. Give me. This is by Muddy Waters. Oh. Now you I have some that. history with blues in your job so i do i might be telling you things you already know well i know earlier than what this stuff is that's true than um the 50s all right so this is a uh advertisement for a drink <laughs> oh good is it your pomplamoose Lacroix? <laughs> it is not although wow. it's a similar brand ah but uh looks like this is bubbly this episode is sponsored by bubbly bubbly can get out <laughs> Well, I rolling out from a quite the whole night long. is the godfather of the um, slide guitar in terms of how it's used in blues music. So slide guitar is, depending on how you use it, uh, you can play it um, on your lap or you can play it like a regular guitar and then you have some sort of hard object that you cover your fingers with. It could be an actual slide or something like like a Coke bottle head or something like that to slide up and down the neck. Um, Muddy Waters made this his thing. Um, this is in 1950, a rolling and tumbling. Uh, Muddy Waters also did the original version of Rolling Stone, like a Rolling Stone, which is where the Rolling Stones got their name and then where the magazine got its name also. So nice. Muddy Waters is to thank for all of that. Thank you, Mr. Waters. Thanks, Mr. Waters. And then the other one is... Um, Eyesight to the Blind by Sonny Boy Williamson II, which Ooh, will come, Boy. come out in 1951. Oh yeah, this has a lot of the same, like the bar blues going on that Alan's up using. Yeah, it's got the... The one, four, five blues progression. Yeah. It's got that amplifier, kind of distorted lead harmonica. 
and you got that blues where you like sing a bar, play a bar, sing a bar, play a bar. In terms of when Weird Al decided to turn his idea into Buckingham Blues, um, there is a famous song on the radio that might be an inspiration for um, what to turn his song into. Um, the backstory here is that um, it was going to be a parody of Jack and Diane by John Cougar Mellencamp because Diane and Diana is like the same name. <laughs> it works well. It works well. Uh, but that fell through, and Joel could tell us why later. Yes. Um, so it turned it into a blues pastiche, and this was the big blues song that was on the radio in 1982 when this album was being recorded. You probably know this song. Oh, yes. There we go. I would not be surprised if this was part of that. I didn't even think about this song, but this is, of course, Bad to the Bone. George Thorogood oh, and the Destroyers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he looks so lame. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, like his jacket. So it's just a white band playing blues music in the yeah. 80s. Um, also, I looked on the Weird Al Wikipedia fan site, and they cited Doobie Brothers as another source, oh, which is another white band doing uh, African-American music. Um, yeah. But they do like more funk <clears throat> soul type type music and i think the only reason that uh what is it long train running is referenced as a source for this one is that there's also a harmonica solo in the middle of it yeah. but it doesn't sound like this song at all no but it has that idea or i mean drive sort of yeah it's not as it does have like a one four five <laughs> style it's i think yeah. it's it's slightly different but it's pretty close yeah okay so and it here's... was featured in terminator 2 long train running I think so. I think it's happening when he, uh, in the very beginning, when he arrives at the bar uh, and steals the guy's clothes. Sweet. Yep. Terminator 2. Unless it's a different song. Uh, hope not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it will get, we'll get letters. Yes. All right. So this is the, the world of uh, the music that Weird Al is pulling from. And when we go over to Weird Al and we'll get into the parody lyrics, I can give you some information about the royal family um, from the 80s that might have uh, sparked Weird Al, his desire to actually cover the royals. Uh, so there's a brief, rough, not very good uh, history of some blues. Takeaways are harmonicas, slide guitar, blues progression of one, four, five. And cool people like Muddy Waters are to thank for that kind of thing. I yield my time. Cool. Wait, where's my slide whistle? <laughs> Very nice. It's always a lovely sound to hear. So yes, this is uh, the B-side to the first real single put out for this record in 1983, which is the Ricky one, like we already said. Oh, show to tip again. There it is. Well, B-side, oh. this song. <laughs> Does it say anything cool? Is it just like on the middle of the record it says Buckingham Blues? Um, it just, yes, yeah, says B-side on the back. And it's just underneath the, the gotcha. first name. So nothing special. What a cool picture names. of Weird Al on the back. Yeah, I like this. It's fun. Cool. That's neat. Uh, it's uh, Weird Al on the same TV of the Ricky screen, but on the back side it's uh, him sitting there, which is the cover of the album, the drawing of him in bed. All right, so that was released May 3rd, 1983. And um, if we want to see the Get Song BPM information for this, uh, or, oh, there's no song that we're going it against, but yeah, so uh, for the lovely Get Song BPM, we're dealing with a song that's in the tempo of 104. Pretty Ooh, neat. 104. Yep. Let's go check uh, Muddy Waters to see if it's on there. I also have a really important announcement about uh, Get Song BPM, but I'll say that oh, as the, the surprise end of the episode. The surprise, yes. Uh, I forgot that you emailed them. All right, so a ro Rollin' and Tumblin' is at 118. Okay. So we're in the right ballpark. 
But how about that danceability? What it's do at they a have? it's at a ninety one, sir. Oh, see, this is only forty one. Not a lot of danceability for Buckingham Blues. That's why it's a B side and not an A side. <laughs> yes, that's exactly why. What about energy? What do you got? How energetic? It's at a twenty seven. Ha, seventy eight. Whoa. Mm hmm. Well, since we're talking about this right now, let's just spoil the the surprise. I got a response to our email, which is very exciting because I figured it would go into nothing and that would be it. Okay, so previously on Weird Pals, um, <laughs> here is the email I sent. Hello, Get Song BPM. My name is Tim and I host a podcast with my friend Joel called Weird Pals. And according to Joel, it's, quote, highly lucrative and popular, end quote despite not technically having released any episodes at this point of this email. The purpose of this correspondence is to ascertain the meaning behind your site's audio profile measurements, danceability, energy, acousticness, and liveness. Could you please let us know how you define each of these parameters and how your site finds numerical values for them? We love it, and we use it every episode. Tim. Here's the response. <clears throat> nice bring it on what'd they say hi tim <laughs> those values come from spotify <laughs> hope this helps from team at okay. get song bpm <laughs> what they, a great response <laughs> they did send me a link which was nice okay so That's i'm gonna send hilarious. you this link to see if you can help me unearth <laughs> what any of this information means because i briefly looked at it when i got this email because i was very excited to get a response and now i have to understand what spotify is trying to do and also spotify i didn't know that spotify like uses any of these parameters for anything yeah neither did i maybe oh. to like an algorithm to create um playlists or something yeah all right, well, there's liveness, at least. So it says it detects the presence of an audience in the recording. That's Higher liveness uh, values representations and increased probability that the track was performed live. So that's literally, was it live or was it not live? So, so Interesting. So technically, it should be either a zero or a one. Like, there should be no partial, like, either it was recorded live or it was not recorded live. Yeah, it says a value above uh, zero point eight provides strong likelihood that the track is live. But I suppose they could look at any sense. liner notes ever to really solve that problem. Yeah, because the liveness on this Buckingham Blues is six, which I guess means they really don't think it was live. Which I mean, yeah. And by they, it's like a computer. I'm assuming yeah. just listening to the audio file. Oh, that's weird. Um, acousticness is a confidence measure from zero to one of whether the track is acoustic. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what? So anyway, because I guess the definition of acoustic, I just hit it, is relating to sound or sense of hearing. So it's like, yep. So they all should be 100%. <laughs> Um, because this one is a fourteen, so so it's it's almost not music. <laughs> yeah, it's almost not music. This is pretty much zero. Which is what a lot of people say about Weird Al, who don't like him. It's like that's yeah, not that's music. True. Yeah, how dare they? Um, danceability. Okay. Danceability describes how suitable a track is for dancing, based on a combination of musical elements, including tempo, rhythm stability beat strength and overall regularity huh so i guess like techno music would be like a hundred percent one would think because it's just like robotic loud percussive beats yeah and this has or buckingham blues is 41 which i, I don't know i guess makes sense it's not really dancing you can nod your head to it yeah it's like slow swinging music which might yeah. be difficult to dance to maybe what are the other ones that matter uh energy Energy. That might, be, that might be the last one. Energy is a measure from zero to one and represents a perceptual measure of intensity and activity. Typically, energetic tracks feel fast, loud, and noisy. 
For example, Death Metal has high energy, while Bach Prelude scores low on the scale, which is weird. Perceptual features contributing to this attribute include dynamic range, perceived loudness, timbre, onset rate, and general entropy. Oh, entropy, huh? What? Also, I like the idea that, like, (laughs) Bach has no energy, because if you listen to any Bach, it's nuts. (laughs) Yeah, no, uh, no energy, though. No energy. He's dead. He doesn't have any energy. <laughs> yeah, he's. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's uh, interesting, though. Uh, I guess these parameters are almost useless to me. <laughs> <laughs> and the one hundred percent, like, like it's definitely not checked by a human. So yeah, no. So it's just they ran it through something, and this is what they came up with. But Do you want to know uh, some fun audio? To see regardless. Do you want to know some audio features that Spotify uses that uh, the Get Song BPM site does not? Oh, what? Um, it has things like instrumentalness. Oh. <laughs> oh, I see that. I guess it predicts whether a track contains no vocals. Oh, that's right. Ah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Uh, loudness, speechiness, uh, which detects the presence of spoken words. So we would be a hundred percent on our uh, podcast for speechiness. Yes, for speechiness, unless of course it just doesn't, like it seems to for some of these other things, and then we get a point too. And uh, valence, uh, a measure from zero to one describing the musical positiveness conveyed by a track. Tracks with high valence sound more positive. Happy, positive. cheerful, euphoric, <laughs> while tracks with low valence sound more negative, like sad, oh, no. depressed, and angry. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Fascinating. Who needs music critics anymore? I know. Computers can tell us. Computers got it. All right. there's our. That was our detour into Get Song BPM and the algorithms that we are using. I'm glad that we got a lovely response. So proud. We've been validated. Of just spotify does or gives it to you thanks <laughs> like that's it it's so uh quick and like the concept that this whole website is just like we found a thing on spotify and we turned it into our <laughs> own website thanks yeah yeah and good for them i suppose good for we're them on. i didn't do it yeah me neither and i don't plan on doing it <laughs> i mean that's all we're doing we're taking information that already exists and putting it into one oh, spot yeah, true. yeah and so touche get song bpm <laughs> yeah haha get owl bpm yeah uh okay so anyway back to uh buckingham blues so originally as we said it was going to be a parody of jack and diane from john mellencamp which follows these two teens as they get older and they share love together it's a nice song and they go through trials yeah i I watched the video for it today don't recommend it (laughs) okay it's a bad video uh it's you could tell it's 80s, that's for sure, but it was uh, fun in that regard. Um, there is no Weird Al video for this, so it's true. nothing to compare. Sad. But uh, yeah, he couldn't do the uh, parody because apparently they're trying to sell the rights of Jack and Diane to make a movie. And they're concerned that if there's a parody of it, it might not sell well. Or they might be able to not like sell the idea of making the movie, and the movie never was made, mm. so it doesn't matter anyway. You know, you know how Michael Jackson suffered because Weird Al did parodies of his music. Yeah, it's Bad. good logic. <laughs> yeah, but of course, this is also he wasn't popular yet. That's true. So he didn't have the Michael Jackson uh, credit. So he didn't have any credit so far. Yeah, actually, yeah, he had another one rides the bus and my Bologna. Yeah, we'll get to those. <laughs> yes. Uh, but those were the only ones that came out before this album. So, Well, and then some other random little B-sides that they didn't re-record. Uh, but yeah, I just uh, like that they never ended up making the movie. Because they were worried about it. And then it didn't happen anyway. There's got to so, be um, like a like a plot detail of what the movie was trying to be. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's check uh, Jack and Diane movie plot. There is a movie. Oh, they did do one? Oh. Unless it's just named that. Because I was just, uh, I got this little information from a interview with Al when he was talking about it. 
Um, he said they were trying to make a movie, and then he jokingly was like, which hasn't come out yet. So I was like, okay, I guess it hasn't. But I didn't actually look. On IMDb.com, Jack and Diane, 2012. It says, Diane's feelings for Jack, the girl she met over the summer, begin to manifest themselves in terrifying ways when she learns that her friend will soon be moving away. Featuring Riley Cano, Juno Temple, and some other people. It says it's an American romantic horror film. I want to say that's not the same movie, but... The same but name. it has the same title! Yeah. Hmm. Hold on, let me look at trivia. <laughs> oh, here's an important piece of trivia. Uh, most of the food and beverages that Jack and Diane share with one another have the color red on them. Oh, wow. So we really, <laughs> no. we really solved this puzzle. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to go with it's not the same. I, just, I don't know. I feel like they just have the same title. The horror part, because the original song has no horror in it. But I don't know. Maybe. Either way. Uh, yeah, he didn't make the song on it. He did try changing it just enough to be like a like a, a half-ass parody. that he gets, Like he compared it to Vanilla Ice's song that sounds like that other song. The Ice Ice Baby. Do-do-do-do. Sounds like And uh, Under Pressure. Yeah, under pressure, but they got away with it anyway. So he said he almost did that, and then was like, "Well, if you're gonna do like a parody, you may as well do a full-on parody, not just try to fake it." So he just changed it completely to do blues, which I think is funny, because I'm assuming he would have just in the Jack and Diane just followed more closely what they're doing, but not like in a complaining sense. Yeah, um, it would have been interesting to see what that angle would have been. I like yeah. the choice of blues is really smart. Because traditionally yes. blues is about like being down and out, like, yeah, broken, lonely, and whatever, and uh, being about having your subjects being Prince of Wales, <laughs> yeah. Princess Diana is like sweet. It's so good because like the complaints that they have are so uh, dumb. Like it's like they were complaining that they didn't get Twinkies or Chef Brady because they just get nicer food instead, and uh, just. Yeah, and even the comparisons, I tried looking it up because I assumed that um, he was just reading about this stuff happening the same way we read about, well, I mean, I don't specifically, but I see it somehow I, it's on the internet. I'm like, why am I reading this now? But about how they're just going about their days. So I tried looking into it and I did find photos that corresponded with lyrics in the song. And oh, I was like, yeah. okay, so this adds up. So there's like the Chucky wants to grow up and be a polo star. Uh-huh. Looks like he used to play polo a lot. I have a photo of him right here playing polo. I'll send it to you. Thank you. Here you go. There's a few different ones. This is the funniest <laughs> one for me. <laughs> okay, so Prince Charles is well over. He. It seems like the horse didn't want to keep riding and so stopped abruptly Charles is up over the top of the horse and well on his way down to the ground to the point where Charles's face and the horse's face are pretty much directly on top of each other. So that's a, I love that photo. Yes, there's ones where he wasn't falling over, but the falling over one was a lot funnier to me. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but yeah, and then there's just like ones where uh, he, he goes hunting uh, a lot. So there, here's here he is hunting. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. Oh, he's hunting on horseback as well. Yep, yeah, on horseback. See, this is also why these photos make me believe that the horse equipment on the Weird Al cover is for this song. Gotcha. Okay. I stand behind it. I like the theory. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then uh, here is a photo of them coming back from a uh, trip to the Bahamas, where in the song he talks about how they have to go on Caribbean cruises all the time. nice yeah and then uh because diane was also uh the fashion leader he wasn't incorrect when he said it she was like a big thing in like uh fashion for i guess the aristocracy or whatever um which is uh just another reference that he did so it's i enjoyed the complaining of a british royalty person that's right it is it strikes me as the i had this thought this morning it's like the song it's like the opposite it's the yin to the yang and the yang yeah. being the uh whatever you like parody that weird Al would do oh yeah 20 years later great one which is the style of a song 
of that's usually about like bragging about your wealth and then talking about all the cheap ash things that you do to save money. <laughs> so I think these this should be the A and B side that yes. is put together. Yeah. Um so I did uh some more reconnaissance on the royal family because I d- don't understand anything about them. Like I don't really either. It seems weird that they're a thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> so um the British Empire had like functioning colonies that were basically their own countries for a long, 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 long time. So like the Caribbean islands, a lot of those were like British owned, quote unquote owned like territories. And even Australia didn't get independence until like the nineties, I think. Oh, that's um, much later than I. Assumed. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> they would do like these world tours to, um, to a bunch of different, you know, different parts of the world. Uh, because they were they were basically the the national mascots for all of those countries. In fact, I watched a documentary yesterday called Ooh. 1983, and it covered a. That's s- the year this album came out. I know. How That's perfect is insanity. that? Insanity. <laughs> so in 1983, Charles and Diana went on a six week royal tour to Australia and to New Zealand to quote unquote spread Britishness. <laughs> And the the documentary what? was super boring. It was literally like they landed here in Melbourne and then they waved at these people. And then they um. went off to this place and they met these people and waved at them. Then they flew over to this place. And it was like six weeks of that. And I skipped a bunch of it. Um, I guess spreading uh, Britishness is waving. Is a lot of waving. Yes, yes a lot of waving. Uh, waving is very British. Um, they, <laughs> Did you catch the lyrics in there that was kind of about like, the, the potential like term marriage turmoil between uh prince charles and princess diana where they like don't like like each other at all uh in this song yeah weird al's is, version is there, li- is there lyrics on that i did read the lyrics and then listen to the song but i don't know if i remember anything is there any about reference it. to that there's just that the um chucky goes hunting and leaves diana alone uh, maybe i don't know okay that's the closest i can see so what happens the short end of Princess Diana and Prince Charles is that they are married in 1981. So they're kind of a new couple still when this song was written. Um, Prince Charles actually dated Princess Diana's older sister first and huh. then dated Princess Diana after that. And their Princess Diana's family is like, like super fancy. They're basically already British royalty. Um, yeah, they they live in their own like crazy palace in England somewhere. Huh. So and then th- th- she marries when she's like twenty one or something like that into the royal family. So hmm. she's like all of a sudden hugely uh, popular and very young and very beautiful. So she's uh, noted as one of the most photographed people of the twentieth century. Huh. And that's just from when she like joined the family in nineteen eighty one to when she died in nineteen ninety seven. So just in those like 15 years, she became like one of the most photographed people of all time. Good for her. Right? <laughs> what an honor. <laughs> Noticeably in the documentary in, by 1983, there was like tabloid rumors about the marriage not going so well, despite having one of the kids already, um, which everyone came first. And uh, like there is a bunch of like photos of them being like distant from each other and not being all lovey-dovey anymore or whatever. Yeah. Um. And that um, actually culminated in them becoming separated in 1992. And then they divorced in 1996. Oh. Which I did not know about it. I thought she their time. passed away as the princess. Um, yeah. But I, she was out of the too. royal family. Um, and then when she passed away in the car accident in 1997, she was with her new boyfriend, who's like this gazillionaire from somewhere else. Hmm. Did he die too, I'm assuming? I believe he died crash? in the car wreck okay. also. Yeah. Uh, also, famous other songs about Princess Diana is Candle in the Wind by Elton John. So oh. we have uh, uh, two um, two songs about Diane. Very different songs. <laughs> Very different songs. <laughs> That's what yeah. I've gained from uh, the royal family. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, because uh, as far as Weird Al goes for this, though, there's not like too much about it. I know he doesn't play this song anymore. He doesn't like this song, really. I think that's the vibe I've gotten. He at least didn't play it on the um, 
uh, the Vanity Tour. It's one that was scrapped despite being in an original. I had a, I have a feeling that it might not have been played just because since she's passed away, like the idea of making fun of her might be weird. And like, yeah, it is in of, a little bit of bad taste, but yeah. it's not like he's blatantly making fun of her. It's just kind of like, I don't know, yeah. making fun of the idea of being a princess in general. But. I think there was also like the like the media dog piling of Princess Diana, like yeah. wasn't as crazy as it would soon get. So I feel like it was fun. It was still fun to make fun of the her in particular in 1983. Yeah, but probably by like fresh into the family. And everything. Yeah, probably like 10 years later, it's like, OK, there's a huge problem. Like, yeah. <laughs> we're basically just, like, bullying this woman for 15 years of her life. Yeah. I have something else to go into, uh, unless you got other Weird Al notes sitting there. Uh, no. Just that he doesn't really do this one anymore. That's it, really. And, uh... Oh, do we have yeah. knowledge on who is playing these instruments? I wonder if they have a new person coming in to just do the harmonica. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I might say on the record itself. Harmonica was done by Richard Bennett, and I'm not exactly sure who that is, but he did the saxophone and harmonica. So, yeah, all right. Yeah. And um, I listened to the remastered version of the song. Well, I've done this for all of them so far. I would listen to the just the regular version and then the remaster, and I hadn't noticed too much on the first three. But the remaster sounds much better on this song, I thought. The guitars are much more oomphy, which makes sense because it's such a drive guitar in this anyway. Oomphy. So it sounds good. Yeah. Now, you can't. Oomphy. oomphy is not a Spotify word. <laughs> oh, it's not? What? To describe oh, a song. I'll email him. <laughs> the liveness. It's live. It's uh, more livey. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the remaster was really nice on this one. I have a, um, I had a question because I was confused on why Americans are still obsessed with British royalty. Because like we really shouldn't be, right? Because we like disassociated ourselves from British imperialist yeah. ideas a while ago uh, and have sort of yeah. built up our culture around that. So like, why are we still obsessed with them? So I looked up this Time article is it why people are obsessed with the royals according to psychologists so this was talking about prince william and kate middleton who have since like abdicated to canada um yeah they just like ditched the royal family lifestyle uh <laughs> which is fascinating um the big oprah interview happened earlier this year i saw memes about this uh also the crown is like a hugely <laughs> popular netflix show i haven't seen an no. episode of it me neither um, so in short, the Royals have infiltrated our collective consciousness. The question is why, huh? uh, we're social animals, says Dr. Frank Farley, a professor and psychologist at Temple university and a former American psychological association president quote with famous media figures. We people, we learn about celebrities, etc. We often live some of our lives through them. Farley says this falls under the label of parasocial behavior, which can create a one-sided relationship in which someone becomes attached to a person without actually interacting with them in any meaningful way. Parasocial behavior could include becoming emotionally invested in your favorite television show or sports team, or say in the lives and dramas of the royal family. Joel, are you picking up on the red flag here? Uh, it reminds me of just like a reality TV show and stuff here. Real like, yeah, indeed. Uh, Kim Kardashian stuff or whatever mm -hmm. that show. It also reminds me of the of two guys deciding to make a podcast about <laughs> oh. a third person who's famous uh -oh. that they've never actually had, quote, a meaningful interaction with. <laughs> so... Joel, I kept on reading this as I as I turned the gaze on myself. <laughs> I was like, well, is this parasocial behavior that I'm committing? Uh-oh. And, and I was is. like, if I'm committing it, Joel is definitely committing it. <laughs> nah. So I have found the psychological test that I'm going to give you live on the podcast. Oh, no. 
Not a test. This is called the Celebrity Attitude Scale. <laughs> Everyone can follow this along at home. The purpose of test this time. survey is to identify your views about famous persons. The responses you give are confidential. <laughs> no, they aren't. <laughs> there are no right or wrong answers. So please answer as openly and thoughtfully as you can. For purposes of the survey, we are defining the term, quote, celebrity as a famous living person. And we are going to use Weird Al as ours here. This is on a scale of one to five, where five is strongly agree and one is strongly disagree. Okay. It's also going to use the phrase or the um, initials MFC, which stands for, oh, my favorite celebrity is what it stands for. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Which is, you know, it, I thought it was going to be a technical You're term. MFC. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Now, please be as honest as possible for this to be okay. uh, scientifically valid. Number one, if I were to meet Al in person, he would already somehow know that I am his biggest fan. One through five. One being strongly disagree, five being strongly agree. And uh, he would already somehow know. Yeah. I mean, how, he wouldn't know. Unless I flat out told him, but he wouldn't know before that. So I have to go with one. Okay. Strongly disagree. Awesome. Number two. Okay. One of the main reasons I maintain an interest in MFC is that doing so gives me a temporary escape from my life's problems. <laughs> uh, I mean, consciously, no, but I'm sure subconscious level, there's probably some of that, right? Yeah, imagine all the life's problems you're ignoring right now by recording this podcast. Yeah, see? Alright, so I guess I better go five. <laughs> Perfect. Number three. Okay. Uh, Al is practically perfect in every way. <laughs> uh, practically perfect in every way. Okay, um, I mean, I have no complaints personally. But should I say perfect? No. So I'll go four. Beautiful. That's close enough. Number four, you share with Al a special bond that cannot be described in words. <laughs> a special bond uh, that I share with them? Like, I don't share anything with him. All right. So therefore, one. All right. Number five, to know Weird Al is to love Weird Al. <laughs> Oh, uh, I'm a little confused at how you rate that. <laughs> well, do I'll you just agree? go with three? Well, I don't understand it really. Okay. To know Weird Al is to love Weird Al. <laughs> it's a very like, uh, like ethereal concept, I suppose. I guess I don't really get it, so I'm just gonna go in the middle and call it three. Okay. Because I don't, I don't know if I feel strongly. Six. When something bad happens to Weird Al, I feel like it happened to me. <laughs> Uh, uh, no, one. Great. Here we go. All right, pick it back <laughs> up on number seven. All right, so when Weird Al fails or loses at something, I feel like a failure myself. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to go with one again. Okay. Uh, I I don't feel like I have failed if he didn't get something made. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Good. <laughs> the successes of Weird Al are my successes too. <laughs> Um, so I mean, success is meaning I'm glad it happened. So therefore, I'm positive. Like, yay, good. He, yeah, sh that, I don't know. Three? Great. Um, this was a bit weird. I'm just going with three in the middle again. Love it. <laughs> uh, I consider Weird Al to be my soulmate. Oof, I might have to do five here. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Yeah, also, his uh, wife and child might have a problem with that. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'll have to go one. I, I already wrote five in pen. Oh, shit. Uh, okay, it's too late. Ten. <laughs> when Weird Al dies, I will feel like dying too. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to go with one. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'll be bummed, but I'm not directly affected by this person, True. unfortunately. <laughs> Eleven. If someone gave me several thousand dollars to do with as I please, I would consider spending it on a personal possession once used by Weird Al. Oh, shit. Uh, 
You see, I wouldn't use it to buy a personal possession unless that personal possession is one of the album uh, I Love Rocky Road uh, covers, which I believe I read only he and a couple other people actually possess. So technically, I would buy that. That counts, but it's not a napkin or paper plate. No, it's so true. It's not like a weird thing, which is, I think, kind of the point there. Now but we have still... to take it as face value. Face value, all right. Then five, because I would potentially buy a record sleeve. All right. <laughs> Twelve, when something good happens to Weird Al, I feel like it happened to me. When something... Some uh, theme going on in some of these. See, that's the same thing with the... Uh... If the successes are his, the successes are mine, too. That's yes. like the same thing. It, seems, it sounds like the same thing asked twice. You're correct. Yeah, and I did three before, so I'm going to do a three again. Just because nice. I still stand behind that. Well, I'm glad it happens because then I benefit in receiving something. Uh, continue <laughs> with number 13. Uh, I am obsessed by details of Weird Al's life. Obsessed. Well, I mean, what labels obsession? Here I am talking about it. Here we are you. recording it for posterity. And it's being recorded. That could be labeled as an obsession, I suppose. Let's do a four, because it's not terrible. Okay. Uh, Fourteen. I have pictures and souvenirs of Weird Al, which I always keep in the exact same place. Okay, so that's going to be... (laughs) We've used the word shrine already, I think, in episode one. Yes, there is a spot that the stuff resides, and other spots too, but there's one on display, so let's just put a five there. Awesome. Number 15. I'm guilty of this. Um, I love to talk to others who admire Weird Al. Oh, that's a five too. That's what we're doing right here. That's what we're doing right here. There's proof. 16. Keeping up with the news about Weird Al is an entertaining pastime. Uh, I mean... It's entertaining. I follow him on Instagram and Facebook, and if he posts something, I'm like, that's entertaining. So, yes, five. <laughs> Good. 17. It is enjoyable just to be with others who like Weird Al. Ah, see, that would be a five as well. That that's would be nice. A, that would be a five, Joel. Uh, we've <laughs> talked about singing Weird Al on road trips together. Yes, and we have. I don't know if it was anyone's... Was it your birthday that we played Running With Scissors and shouted the whole thing over the top of the rest of our friends who were trying to do something else? Yes, we were all trying to play a board game, and we put on that album and sang a lot of it. That's right. And and I don't know if people were thrilled, but I had fun. It was your birthday? It's, it doesn't matter. It's my birthday. We can sing if we want to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, continue with number 18. Uh, I enjoy watching, reading, or listening to Weird Al because it means a good time. <laughs> okay, five. <laughs> okay, great. Nineteen. Uh, learning the life story of Weird Al is a lot of fun. <laughs> I mean, sure, five again. I've had fun. Great. Twenty. Uh, I like watching and hearing about Weird Al when I'm in a large group of people. Uh, sure, I mean, yeah, five. <laughs> Seems like a weird circumstance but i know i was in a large group and then i heard something about weird Al. well that would be for instance my birthday party that's like a large group but there's you know like six seven people that's right and it was uh, large for covid yes that's true my friends and i (laughs) like to discuss what weird al has done uh here we are doing it here we are so i don't know if i should say my friends and i like to because you and i like to sure uh, I don't know if I know another friend who likes to talk about what Weird Al has done. <laughs> this is why we've come together. Yes, but all right, I'll, let's do five anyway. Yeah, if we got rid of that plural, it would be <laughs> yeah. affirmative. Uh, 22, I would gladly die in order to save the life of Weird Al. <laughs> okay, so uh, I'm going to have to go with a one here. Ooh. Um, you wouldn't You wouldn't jump in front of a bullet for Weird Al? I don't know if I'd really jump in front of a bullet for very little people, <laughs> but especially someone who I like his art, but I'm not going to see the art anymore if I die. True that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, How again. cold and rational for you. <laughs> yes. I mean, I guess I should maybe say two, just because what if there was some situation to where it's like, it just worked? Nah, there wouldn't be though. I've scratched uh, out one and put it two and I've, ro- <laughs> I've mistaken my own rules. <laughs> Because I think uh, it's interesting. We haven't had a two yet, so I just I found it important to put a two down. Okay, let's just put a two down. I just I don't know. 
it's just one of those things. Like sometimes it's just you. I don't know. You could save anybody given a situation. Sometimes it's whatever. It's true. But You've already thought about it too long for you to actually take the front of the bullet. Yes, which is probably what would happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'd just be thinking, should I do this? And then ah, oh, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, you suffered from ambivalence, and then he died. Yeah, and then I'll be like, well, I thought about it, and then feel good about it, or feel good about myself for thinking about it. There you go. <laughs> 23, if I were lucky enough to meet Weird Al and he asked me to do something illegal as a favor, I would probably do it. Well, how illegal are we talking? <laughs> it does not specify, which is interesting. What which kind of illegal activity would Weird Al ask you to perform? Because he's a pretty decent, you know, by the That's true, because he guy. wouldn't even want drugs, for instance. That's what I was thinking. It would be like, you know, get me some. I don't know, what if he asked you to, like, cocaine or something? Double park his car. Oh, uh, see, if he asked me to double park his car for him while he did something and that just happened to be the situation, I would probably double park the car and then awkwardly sit there for a little bit. <laughs> but there, I'll, I'll, let's just do three because it depends on what the actual thing is. Indeed. But the likelihood is uh, no, but I'm going with three. Pick up, pick up on 24, Joel. If I walked through the door of Weird Al's home without an invitation, he would be happy to see me. Uh, that's going to be a one. I don't think you... Wait. What's he wouldn't be? Yes, a one. Whatever the worst version of that would be. Because if I did that, that would be uh, awkward. Speaking for of illegal things. Yeah, see? If he asked me to do it, I would have done it. Could you ask but then someone he to would maybe be happy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, logically doesn't work. <laughs> Uh, 25. I have frequent thoughts about Weird Al even when I don't want to. <laughs> uh, I mean, the songs get stuck in my head a lot. Is mm. that thinking about him? Is it like asking if I'm thinking about like him as a person? No. Uh, if there's stuff going around. But even when I don't want to is the weird phrase uh, that I'm looking at. <laughs> <laughs> Good. It's just like, oh, I don't want to think about Weird Al right now. I don't want to think about Weird Al right now, but I can't help it. That's the worst <laughs> way to, you can't just say, I don't want to think about Weird Al. Because then know. all you're doing is saying his name. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess I'm going to have to go with two, just because I feel like the, the phrasing on this is odd to me. But I mean, like it pops in my it's head. It's not your fault he writes like catchy this. songs. It's not yeah. your fault. Yeah, let's not. Let's go two. Uh, and then 26. I often feel compelled to learn the personal habits of uh, Weird Al. Uh, I often feel compelled to learn. No. Uh, I never feel compelled to learn his habits. But I mean, I've read about some in reading about interviews because he brings them up. But I don't feel compelled to learn that specific information. One. Yes. <laughs> 27, Weird Al would immediately come to my rescue if I needed help. Uh, I'm assuming he would not come to my rescue. Or it'd be the same level of I would maybe help him in a situation for the, the give a life thing. Although that's such a drastic question. I can't believe that was in there. Just funny. <laughs> um, but that he would come to save me. I mean, if it was really easy for him and it was right there, maybe he'd do it. But would he come to the rescue? That seems like he's coming out of his way, like driving here. So, uh, two. <laughs> I imagine you're drowning and he's David Hasselhoff and he has to go out yeah. and save you. Yeah. Uh, 28, Weird Al and I have our own code and we can communicate with each other secretly. Parentheses, such as over the television or special words on the radio. What? Oh, that, oh, that makes it seem like it's a paranoid thing. That's funny. Oh, he's communicating to me through the things he's saying on the TV. <laughs> or like in your alphabet cereal or something. Oh, yeah. Because I do see the letter 27 every now and then. And every time I do, I think of the fact that Weird Al uses 27 a lot in his stuff. So maybe that's him communicating with me. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go with a one here. That's probably, probably a good answer. <laughs> 29. If Weird Al was accused of committing a crime, that accusation would have to be false. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I would definitely assume so unless there is clear evidence saying otherwise. But aren't you but, aren't you innocent until proven guilty, Joel? See, that is true for the most part. 
uh, let's just do a three here because it depends on what it is. <laughs> yeah, it would definitely be a surprise if he was accused of any yeah. crime. Be like, that yeah. seems wrong. <laughs> yes, I will definitely say that. But if there's clear evidence, you can't you can't go around that. It's true. Uh, Thirty. If Weird Al endorsed a legal but possibly unsafe drug designed to make someone feel good, I would try it. I know that Weird Al would not do this because he declined being in a beer commercial because he didn't want his name attached to just even selling the alcohol. So I don't think he would put his name on any sort of drug. So, so we just know the question. Just know the well, just because I know he wouldn't do it. But if he did, <laughs> I just I crossed it out. It's going to be the only zero on the on the test. Oh, okay. 31 news about my celebrity is a pleasant break from a harsh world <laughs> That's just, I like that this is the this too. is gonna be the um our uh our motto for, uh, for <laughs> yeah, the news. podcast <laughs> pleasant break from your harsh world <laughs> uh i mean that's such an extreme way of thinking uh it's nice when i read something so i guess it's a five it's just odd to say it's a pleasant break from a harsh world (laughs) like i guess maybe a four then because it's like not that sure like like, what the hell i think yeah i think i know they're trying to get overly paranoid with it but it's just interesting to me it's true these wordings (laughs) uh do the last three here we're on 32 okay if weird al found me sitting in his car uh he would be upset uh, yeah, I'm going to go with it. That's probably a five. If I was in his car, he'd be like, why are you in my car? And I'd be like, I don't know. I'm just looking for some napkins. <laughs> uh, 33. Um, it would be great if Weird Al and I were locked in a room for a few days. <laughs> for a few days. And locked in a room. <laughs> Uh, I mean, if I was going to be locked in a room with anybody for a few days, and it it was, I'd rather maybe him over some other people. Sure. But it seems like, yeah, it seems like that is like, is that, is that horrible scenario and actually a positive scenario if you switch out whoever for Weird Al? depends on who we're switching it for yeah because he's such a pleasant like personality yeah like if i'm gonna have to be locked in a room with someone yeah because being locked in a room seems like a horrifying scenario (laughs) yeah and just because weird al is there does that make it a great scenario uh it doesn't make it great but it makes it better than if it was like i don't know uh simon cowell (laughs) <laughs> great great pull nice celebrity pull uh, so it'd be better than him you know so Simon Cowell who folks want to disembowel yes he always says something foul when he opens his mouth yeah they're dying wow want to be so crying now uh, okay so I guess I'm just going to go with a four because mm-hmm. I don't want to say it'd be great just because I don't want to be locked in a room with anyone for a few days so like regardless just locked in a room <clears throat> right the final one we've made it number 34 if weird al saw me in a restaurant he would ask me to sit down and talk i'm gonna go with no I, like i mean i've met this guy a couple times but i don't think that would happen i don't even think he would recognize me honestly <laughs> so i'm gonna go with a uh one all right you got it um i need to do some tabulation on here so while i do that you know do something else oh, okay <laughs> all right the results are in you've done it i've done it give me the, the bad news okay um what's important is that there are three different categories and i don't know what makes them good or bad <laughs> or well i don't know what makes a score good or bad like there's no like oh if you're over this warning if you're under this warning but i'm just going to give you the numbers in the relationship that is titled intense personal oh we have 43 out of 65 it's like two-thirds uh entertainment and social 
is 27. 27, the Weird Al number. Ooh, out of 35. <laughs> that is interesting. The Weird Al number. Uh-oh. And then uh, the, the red flag one, the borderline pathological. Uh-oh. You scored, you got an F. It's a 16 out of 35. Oh. So I'm not pathologically obsessed. Right. You have a controllable interest in Weird Al, so ah, you're in the clear. Rats. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of want some of his blood. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, folks. Uh, we are normal-ish. I have a healthy Whoa. relationship with our fandom of Weird Al. <laughs> yes, we're just talking about it for hours. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and wearing normal. shirts for him and collecting creating shrines for him and all that yes creating shrines playing with dolls of him as our healthy obsession continues what's going to be uh next week's track next week we have happy birthday oh excellent indeed uh (laughs) thanks for hanging out with us this has been weird pals here goes the slide whistle (laughs) bye bye all right, these outros are getting boring, so I'm going to put a vocal effect on this. You can contact the show at weirdpalspod at gmail.com and on Instagram and on YouTube. Do those Spotify polls and um, put the lotion in the basket. Yeah.